Hello, welcome in to another episode of Teeing Off Podcast with myself, your host, RJ McCullough. This is episode number 37. Patrice Bergeron, if we're going by sports numbers, uh, the first one that comes to mind is him. So number 37 is where we're at. I've got a lot to jump into this week, going to cover quite a bit, uh, mainly PGA Tour stuff, but I do have a bit of a personal thing to remark on. I mentioned last week that I'm applying to a couple tournaments for media credentials because I love, love, love covering the events on site. I haven't been doing LPGA one yet, but I heard back from the Volvic LPGA Championship, which is being held the week of May 21st to 27th in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And they approved my uh, media credential request. So I will be there in Michigan um, in a couple weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to start planning uh, that and how I'm going to utilize that week to get some interviews, do some cool stories, hopefully get in a couple rounds of golf on my own. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'll keep keep you posted on that, but uh, stay tuned. For now, though, episode number 37, Teeing Off Podcast. I'm RJ McCullough. Let's go. Jason Day, the Aussie, is your latest PGA Tour winner. He was victorious on Sunday at the Wells Fargo Championship in Charlotte, North Carolina. He got his 12th PGA Tour win in the process, his second of the year. It's a bit of a topsy-turvy day. He started the final round with the lead. He was three up after the 12th hole, but suffered bogeys on the 13th and 14th to fall into a tie, back into a tie for the lead with Aaron Wise. He had a chance to go ahead on the next hole, but he missed another. He missed a short birdie putt on the 15th. So looked like uh, heading into the going to the green mile, one of the toughest stretches on tour, tied for the lead. It looked like Jason Day might blow this one. However, crushes the drive on 16, really tough par four, sticks his approach, birdie, and then almost aces the par 3 17th. Pars the par 4 18th, another really tough hole. And yeah, Jason Day, winner by two. He shot a final round 69, very nice, to defeat Aaron Wise and Nick Nwatney. They were second at 10 under, then Bryson DeChambeau at 8 under, and a big tie for fifth with Phil Mickelson, Paul Casey, and Peter Uline at 7 under. Phil had a ridiculous up and down on the last hole to get yet another top five in this event. Um, Hasn't been able to get a win, but just another great finish on this course. Um, for Jason, it was the fifth straight time he's converted a 54-hole lead. So pretty impressive. There's been a lot of uh, positive and negative things said in the media and amongst the golf world about Jason's game in the last, I don't know, two years. He's shown signs that he can be one of the best players in the world. He's also shown signs that he, I'm going to put this nicely, he gets injured a lot. So some people think he's soft. Some people think he's like glass but, uh, I don't know, maybe there, there's a lot of things that can go into injuries, whether it's chronic, whether it's, whether it's just a pain tolerance thing, whether it's someone's going through something off the golf course and it gets chalked up to an injury, but really it's, it's not that. That's just what we're told. Um, I, Jason Day doesn't strike me as someone that's soft, but uh, if, any, if, if that's a case someone really wants to make to me, I, I'd be open to listening to it, but uh, I just think he's gone through, gone through some things in his life. And... Uh, I mean, it's easy to sit back here and judge a guy for pulling out of a tournament for a back injury or something, but this is their life, this is their livelihood. 
And if it's a thing like a back or a hand or one of these major parts of your body, maybe you can play a weekend round with your friends, but playing on the PGA Tour, whole nother ball game. So not going to spend too much time on uh, whether Jason Day is soft or not, but um, good for Jason. I said his 12th win and that, that conversion rate, fifth straight 54-hole lead converted. We've seen so many guys not being able to get that done this year, every year, every year. But it's been pretty prevalent this year. And uh, that's one of those things that very, bodes very well in Jason Day's favor. The only guy, it's rare even for very prevalent top-notch golfers to do this because, you know, you get yourself in these positions quite a bit as one of the top guys on tour. But actually converting those 54-hole leads five in a row, that's uh, that's almost Tiger-like. So, um, obviously Jason Day's favorite golfer was Tiger. He based a lot of his game off Tiger. He's Nike just like Tiger. So in fact, he actually received a text from Tiger on Saturday night. Basically a good luck text going into Sunday. And he said that gave him a lot of confidence on Sunday. So very Tiger like final day from Jason. Some other players in the field that had some uh, relevance. Justin Thomas finished 21st. He was using his buddy Ricky Fowler's backup putter. As we've all seen Justin pour putts into the hole, he just said uh, this week he just he just didn't have a good feel on the greens. And coming into the week, he if he would have finished um, 12th or better, he had a shot at becoming the number one golfer in the world. He finished 21st, but all things considered, using a new putter, which is Ricky Fowler's backup putter, the two are paired together the first two rounds, and they seem to be joking around quite a bit. Obviously, they're buddies. Um, so good for JT. A good finish. He'll look to uh, get that number one this week. Patrick Reed, he, in his first solo event since winning the Masters, he played last week at the Zurich, but that's a team event. So his first solo start since winning the Masters, and he recorded his sixth straight top 10. So Reed, obviously still rolling. He's another guy to look out for this week. And uh, Bryson DeChambeau, he had his third top four in his last four starts. So Bryson rounding into really good form. And then there's Tiger. We always got to talk about Tiger. He's my favorite. He's probably your favorite, too. <sighs> little depressing. I'm not going to lie, a little depressing watching Tiger. He just couldn't, couldn't string it together. He finished 55th. He had a final round 74, which was his first bogey, sorry, his first birdie-free round on tour since 2014, and that was in Europe. He had another one that year in 2014 uh, on the PGA Tour, but his last uh, professional event not having... A birdie was in 2014 in Dubai, and as we all, well, those that follow Tiger closely will remember, that was arguably the stupidest decision Tiger's made in his whole career. He was coming off of back surgery. He was just, he was slowly getting into form, getting slowly better, kind of like we saw this time around. But right in the beginning stages of that, he decided to fly to Dubai, and his back, his back just seized up, and it was, it was just, Bad news all around. A lot of people saying he went there for a, well, dual uh, sponsorship agreement and um, just for uh, appearance fees. He went there for a lot of money. And when you're a guy like Tiger Woods, money really just shouldn't be your incentive, but he did and uh, suffered from that. So that is the first birdie free round he's had since then. I think he he actually played, and this sounds strange because he finished 55th and he's Tiger Woods, but he actually played really well. I mean, obviously there was there were stretches were there where he wasn't hitting it well, but compared to his some of the other events we've seen him in, um, he has statistically his best strokes gained off the tee 
and his best strokes gain approach numbers of any tournament he's played this year. But as it always is in golf, it usually boils down to the putter. And of all the guys that made the cut, Tiger was 72nd of 75 in strokes gained putting. And to go with that, he had 126 putts in the event, minimum of 31 around. And that's his most putts in an event since 2002. So all things considered, Tiger spoke about it after his, after his final round. Hit the ball well, didn't putt well, couldn't make a thing. He said he couldn't really adjust to the speeds of the greens. Um, make of that what you will. But, yeah, just, just not a good week. As Tiger said, just throw it away and move on to the next one. A couple news and notes before I move on to this week's Players' Championship. One of the interesting things, well, a couple of the interesting things, but first, John Peterson, a uh, bit of a fledgling journeyman tour pro, he is on a medical exemption, and he had, going into last week, he had three events left, and he had to make $318,000 and change to get enough to earn his tour card for the rest of the year. 29 years old, he's already decided if he doesn't get this, he's going to retire. He's giving it one more kick at the can, and going to put the clubs away and do a more of a normal life. Well, that was almost all thrown in disarray because Thursday's opening round, John shot a 65 and led the Wells Fargo by two shots. It looked like it was too good to be true, and, well, it was too good to be true, but for a day and a half, two days, it really looked promising. He ended up making, he did make the cut, but he had a, he had a bad second round. Second day, 77, ended up finishing 42nd and earned himself $22,389. So, I mean, that's not a bad week's work. However, when you need 318000 to keep your tour card and uh, keep it going, that's it's a little disappointing, but... Something to uh, something to keep an eye on in his last two events. Interesting that a guy that's just 29 is already kind of ready to hang him up. But I think a lot of we all think of pro athletes in this glamorous life they live. What we don't consider is a sport like golf, where you're not bound by contracts and you don't have these guaranteed incomes. You're traveling a lot. It's not just a Thursday to Sunday thing. It's finish your tournament on Sunday, fly to the next thing, practice rounds, get used to the course, got to pay for lodging and food and your caddy and your family and and flying all over these places so you're losing a couple thousand dollars a week minimum if you don't play well and uh, that can really add up a lot of guys talk about how eventually it just becomes a job and they kind of fall out of love with the game of golf so understandable hopefully he can get uh get that money he needs and keep going on the tour but something to watch for another interesting tidbit from the week justin thomas was uh he played a little matchmaker on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday, I'm going to say, there's this couple, essentially, a guy reached out on Instagram to Justin Thomas, saying he wanted to propose to his girl, and he wanted Justin to help out. Well, Justin responded, and uh, I'm going to roll the audio. Is this Andrea? Yep. This is Andrea. Justin. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Oh. <laughs> you guys doing okay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. Man. Well, good to see you, dude. Good I'm to glad uh, we could run into each other. I'm really appreciating me. Yeah. Man. Oh, forgot. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 I'm going to be forever. Will you marry me? Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> 
Just a really nice moment. Always, uh, always love to see stuff like that. Interesting that JT was able to, or that sorry that this guy was able to get a hold of Justin Thomas and uh, set this all up. But good for Justin for going along with it. He received a bit of a flack um, the last month or two for the whole getting a guy kicked out of the event for yelling in the bunker after he had a tee shot. So this earns him a little. Uh, Earns him a little faith back with the fans, and really, really nice to see this. This young couple looked so, 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 so happy as one should when they're getting engaged. But uh, really, really nice to see. Um, good for Justin. Good to see this stuff happening on the PJ Tour. On a bit of a different note, Rory McIlroy made headlines with his usual outspoken self, being his usual outspoken self. He said he was asked about uh, obviously going to the Masters this year. He was he was in the final group, final pairing with uh, Patrick Reed. It looked like he was. Poised to get his major, his master's win, which is the major he, that has eluded him. She wants more than anything. Get that career grand slam. Didn't do it. Had a bad final day. So he was asked about that and what the, the uh, sorry, what the masters means to him. And this was his quote. The masters has now become the biggest golf tournament tournament in the world. And I'm comfortable saying that. I don't care about the U.S. Open or the Open Championship. It is the biggest tournament in the world. The most amount of eyeballs, the most amount of hype. The most amount of everything is at Augusta. That's end quote. So, of course, anytime someone says something like this, he's going to get a bit of flack. When Rory says something like this, he's going to get absolutely torn apart. So, two things. One, why would people be pissed at Rory for saying this? Well, obviously, he's European, and he's saying that an American golf tournament is more important to him than a European golf tournament in the Open Championship. Also, Rory's a guy that's maybe had his foot in his mouth a couple of times saying things about the Olympics, saying things about the Ryder Cup that maybe don't earn him the support of the fans as much as one would like. My opinion on this, though, this is an absolute non-story. Non the context of it, it, I just explained why it would upset people because that, in a certain context, sure. But look at what Rory McIlroy has done. He's won every single tournament, every big tournament in the world. He's dominated everywhere. He's been the number one golfer. He's done every. He's won Ryder Cups. He's won junior events. He's won everything someone could possibly win in golf, except for the Masters. Every year he goes to the Masters, he's inundated with, when are you going to get your career Grand Slam? When are you going to win the Masters? Why can't you win the Masters? Why don't you play well at Augusta? What is it about the Masters that doesn't suit your game? Every time he goes back there, it's just all anyone wants to talk about. Add to that the fact that Augusta and the Masters is the biggest tournament. It is the most hype. There are the most eyeballs. It's He's literally just stating a fact. And yes, he got ridiculed for it. Yes, he walked, his, he walked his statement back saying he doesn't mean that he doesn't care about the other tournaments. Just at this point, the most meaningful thing for him is to win the Masters. And I don't like the fact that people get on athletes. It's a way bigger problem than golf. This happens everywhere. And I'm not going to get on my soapbox too much, but we want our athletes and everyone to be outspoken. We want people to be honest. We want people to tell us what's really on their mind. We don't want these uh, cliche quotes. Like Tiger, Tiger was ripped on for years because he didn't give anything to the media. Well, someone answers the question honestly, and then they get ripped on. So I think people just need to take a step back, 
look at Rory's life, put yourself in his shoes. What would mean the most to you? Yes, obviously, there's we're putting life and family aside, and we're just talking about on the golf course. And to for anyone to think that the Masters wasn't the biggest golf tournament in the world and the most important tournament in the world for Rory, they just don't know Rory. I think he meant what he said. I think he said what he meant. I think he was kind of forced to walk it back because a lot of people looked into the comments, didn't really read the full quote or got the context of it, saw that he said, I don't care about the U.S. Open or the Open Championship, and jumped to a conclusion, as is the world you live in right now. But I'm going to give Rory the benefit of the doubt here. Not even the benefit of the doubt because I literally don't think he did anything wrong. I think he just said what was on his mind and maybe could have worded it a bit better, but suck it up. I talk a lot about Rory, Ricky, JT, Jordan. I talk a lot about these guys quite a bit. But what about their one buddy from SB2K, Smiley Coffin? We saw him getting married a couple weeks ago. We saw the guys skipping their annual trip of golfing at Baker's Bay and jumping off boats and golfing shirtless and getting pretty drunk. We saw that being passed over for Smiley's wedding. And then we saw Smiley shoot 80-79 at the Wells Fargo, missing his 13th cut and his last 14th start. This is seventh round of 80 or higher this year. And this is a guy that won his fifth start on the PGA Tour in 2015. Was always, maybe he wasn't the same pedigree as his buddies, Ricky Fowler, uh, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. Maybe he wasn't best as good as them. But he wasn't that far off. It didn't seem like they were dragging around a guy that couldn't golf. Well, seems as though a combination of all these missed cuts, playing this poorly, and I'm sure having those guys as your best friends puts a lot of ex- not only a lot of extra pressure outwardly, but inwardly. And it seems like it's sort starting to get the better of him. But he tweeted, Golf has been very difficult for me over the past year, as most of you know. I have been working extremely hard, but... All of the pieces haven't come together yet. I know there will be good times ahead. Thank you for all. Thank you all for your support. I can't add much to that. It's sort of self-explanatory. The one thing I will say is I have noticed whenever, I mean, this is a very small sample size, but at the few golf tournaments I've been to, um, he he's a guy that really grinds on the range. He's a guy that at the Canadian Open last year, I remember every day he was one of the, First guys I would see, one of the last guys I would see, and he was always grinding really hard. Every club, drivers down to wedges, working on distance control, uh, spin, like literally everything. So it's not a matter of lack of work ethic, which people seem to chalk things up to. Um, It's not that. A lot of other, uh, I saw some other golf writers chiming in with kind of similar comments about, you know, a lot of people give Smiley flack because they see him laughing, they see him joking around, they see him palling it up with, with all the other guys, but what people don't see is all the hard work that he puts in. And just imagine grinding and putting your full self into something for 100 hours, like, you know, 50 to 100 hours a week plus just practicing. And A, not getting anything out of it. In fact, kind of getting worse, if anything. And then B, all your best friends doing the exact same thing and getting huge, huge gains out of it. Winning majors, winning tournaments, getting players of the year, winning the FedEx Cup, all of this stuff that he has to see his best friends doing on a regular basis. That has to be really, really tough. So 
I've never been um, too high or too low on Smiley. Um, didn't really know much about him when he first came out with the other guys. He was obviously the least. Um, he'd, he'd done the least of all the guys in his group, of course. But seeing this and just, I mean, seventh round over 80th this year, that's tough. Uh, hoping, hoping for the best for Smiley going ahead. Bubba Watson was asked by TMZ as he was coming out of, I don't know where he was, somewhere in New York, Bubba's walking around, and TMZ does their usual man-on-the-street thing. And they asked Bubba, if you were to golf with the Donald, would you let Trump win to make himself feel better about himself and because, well, he's the president of the United States? Bubba's answer, as I hope most people's answer, no, I would never let him win. If he beats me, he beats me. But no, not at all. Because then I could tell everyone I beat the president. Bubba actually said that he has played once with, with uh, Trump back in 06, I believe it was. He said they played a couple holes together. But I'm with Bubba on this one. I think a lot of people, it's sort of that, uh, I mean, I'll throw it out to other people. I'm down to hear what other people have to say. But it, it's sort of that whole, if you were to golf with your boss or if you were to golf with your father-in-law, do you let them win? Do you let Trump, someone who is clearly one of, if not the most egotistical and narcissistic and soft-skinned people the world has ever seen. So if you go out there and you lay a beating on this guy, you might take it a little personally. I also don't know if he would want you to... You'd have to let him win without him knowing that you let him win. Um, But... Let's just say most of us will never have the opportunity, would, nor would want to golf with Donald Trump. Although I would, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I would turn down a round of golf with Donald Trump. I vehemently disagree with every single thing that comes out of his mouth. Not every single thing, but 95-plus percent of things that come out of his mouth. But I don't think you're going to turn down a round of golf with the president of the United States, whether you like his views or not. Maybe that's just my opinion. But no, I certainly would not let him win. I'm glad Bubba feels this way too, although Bubba would really have to stoop to let Donald win. I mean, Donald claims he's like a scratch golfer, but clearly no man of that age with that body is anywhere close to a scratch golfer. So good for Bubba. Glad he answered this way. One more thing in the news and notes front. Uh, Rumors and rumblings of a 2019 PGA Tour schedule have been bounded about for a little while. Uh, I mean, there were some changes announced last year um, for the 2019 schedule, mainly the Players' Championship moving. Um, well, sorry, not just the Players' Championship, but the PGA Tour moving, aligning the tours so that there's one big event in every month. Moving the PGA so that now the Open Championship will be the final major of the year. Moving the players to March. whole bunch of things. But one of the things that was just at his apparently being discussed is the change of the Canadian Open to the week before the U.S. Open in June. Mixed reviews on this. Some people think um, it's where it should be. As a Canadian, I obviously have to disagree. The one thing people have to remember is the Canadian Open used to be, when I was a kid and going back 20, 30 years before then, the Canadian Open was legitimately coined as the fifth major. The Players' Championship came in and got rid of that and they moved moved it to really shitty spot on the schedule after the British Open. But, yeah, this this used to be one of the tour's marquee events. And hopefully, 
this will bring, if this happens, this will bring not only more cachet to the event, it'll bring back better fields, it'll, I mean, it's a national event. It would be nice to have, the only reason we get good players now is because they're RBC, but they're flying over from the British Open. Not many of them want to be here. Haven't been playing at the best courses, but, so this not only increases the cachet of the event, it also, they can move the Canadian Open to sort of match the U.S. Open. If if the U.S. Open is going to be somewhere on the West Coast, like they're playing in California, they're playing Torrey Pines, then you can have the Canadian Open the week before. You can have it in Vancouver on our West Coast. Have it on somewhere like uh, they could go to Shaughnessy. Set it up, very similar to the U.S. Open. If they're playing the U.S. Open in Pennsylvania, if they're playing at uh, Oak Hill or Oakmont, whatever, whichever one of those it is, I think it's Oakmont, that's in Pennsylvania, then they can have the Canadian Open the week before, have it in Hamilton at Hamilton Coffin Country Club, get that thing set up similar. They can have, then maybe they go to the Glen Abbey, but I think if you're going to have it the week before the, the U.S. Open, you're going to want to set the course up similar to the U.S. Open, really, really hard, which is the way I like golf to be played, um, similar to how the Shell Houston Open tries to set up similar to the Masters, but even more prevalent because the U.S. Open is supposed to be the toughest tournament on tour. So that would be really, really nice to see not only the best courses, they could move the Canadian Open around, it would bring it more cachet, better field, uh, just all and all, all around a great idea and something that I really hope comes to fruition. This week's tournament on the PGA Tour is the Players' Championship. It is being held yet again at the TPC Sawgrass Stadium course in Ponta Vedra Beach, Florida. The Tour's fifth major, as it is referred to as, and for good reason. Really good course, best field on tour, decent slot on the schedule. Uh, it's a par 72 course, 7,189 yards, and this is a course that really values accuracy over length. Sure, it's a little long. It has four par four, sorry, four par, four par fives in English, and there are a lot of holes where it might benefit you to hit the ball a long way off the tee, but unlike courses like last week where being a bomber and getting those uh, gives you a huge advantage in terms of yardage, clubs in, um, being able to control the spin on your shots a lot better. Here, it doesn't matter as much because your driver, the driver is taken out of the hands of a lot of the lo- a lot of the longer players, and there's a lot of strategic angles and stuff off the tee. So, driving isn't necessarily as important, whereas accuracy is. The average winning score here, usually around 13 under, between 12 and 15-ish. So expect that again this week, depending, <clears throat> obviously depending on a few factors, but it looks like the weather and things are going to be pretty normal. And the average cut line is right where the PJ Tour wants it, right at even. So guys are going to have to play good to get to the weekend, but not going to have to go shoot the lights out. I mentioned earlier that Justin Thomas had a chance last week to take the number one spot from Dustin Johnson. All these Dustin Johnson J names just... Anyways, Dustin Johnson <laughs> held the number one spot after last week, but there are five players, five players with a chance to knock him off. Well, I guess I should say there's five players that could leave this event at number one in the world, depending on how that goes. So that'll be something to watch. Last year here, the youngest winner of the event, Siwoo Kim, at just 21, he fired a bogey-free final round, 69, winning the event by three. 
He started behind J.B. Holmes and Kyle Stanley. He fended them off. J.B. Holmes actually shot like a final round 84 or something ridiculous. And uh, and then he fought off a charging Ian Poulter. So, Cebu got his first win. He uh, played just extremely, extremely solid golf. I mentioned this is the final time that the players will be held in May. It's going to move to March next year. Uh, some course details. Pete Dye designed the course, and in typical Pete Dye fashion, he likes to keep the players on their toes, keep them thinking. No consecutive holes. So no back-to-back holes are going in the same direction. So you're always going to have to be looking at the wind. You're always going to have to be looking at, like, the way the the slope points on the course and stuff like that. Um, always keeping you thinking. The 12th hole has been tweaked. Uh, it's, it's always been a short part four, but now it's drivable, really risk-reward. Everything kind of swope, slopes towards the water left of the green. But a lot of guys will be attempting to go for the green or putting it right up by the green. And we all know the final stretch at Sawgrass, the 16th par 5, um, reachable par 5, really a big turning point we see every year. Eagles, we see bogeys, double bogeys, um, really, really fun par 5. And then everyone knows the par 3, 17th, arguably the most famous hole in golf, the stadium hole, par 3, surrounded by water. Short par 3, but we always see lots of carnage there. And then the par 4, 18th, which is always in the top 5 for hardest holes on tour every single year. So that finishing stretch is is definitely going to create some excitement. The key stats, I think, this week, you always want to look at strokes gain total. Um, strokes gain T to green is going to be really big this week. I mentioned the strategy off the T. Um, strokes gain approach is always a factor, and strokes gain around the green, I'm going to throw that in this week. Secondary stats, I would go with um, good drive percentage, which is when a guy either hits the fairway or misses the fairway, but is still able to hit the green with his approach shot. And total driving. And then minor stats I want to look at will be par 4 and par 5 scoring and bogey avoidance. The field. The field this week, best in golf, hands down. All 50 players in the official world golf ranking are in the field. And you might say, hey, wouldn't the majors have the best field in golf? Well, you'd be wrong. Because the majors have a lot of guys that qualify based on kind of obscure events or worldwide events or all these other things, whereas the players' championship is literally just the best players in the game of golf in North America um, and Europe, sure, but not as much international flavor. More who's playing the best right now over here. We want them this week. So, for example, some, some of them, just some of the notable names in the field. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, Paul Casey, Jason Day, Bryson DeChambeau, Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson, Kevin Kisner, Brooks Kepka, Matt Kuchar, Hideki Matsuyama, John Rahm, Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Brent Snedeker, Henrik Stenson, and Bubba Watson. Those are just some of the marquee names. There's also a couple Canadians. Three, as far as I can tell, there's three Canadians in the field this week. Adam Hadwin. Mackenzie Hughes and Nick Taylor. Featured pairings, the the tee times and pairings aren't out, but the PGA Tour has announced two featured pairings for the week. Tiger will be paired with Phil and Ricky, and Jordan Spieth will be paired with Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas. The times for those should come out Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Really, really interesting to see Tiger and Phil paired together. They haven't played together in a long time. Um, Tiger used to dominate every time they would play together. Then Phil adopted... Butch Herman, Tiger's old, Phil, Tiger's old swing coach, 
And the pendulum has sort of swung towards Phil in their head-to-head matches as of late. I would like to see Tiger wipe the floor with Phil. But if you're looking at recent form, the advantage probably has to go to Phil. But we also know Tiger might be the most competitive person on the planet. And he, he, if there's anyone he doesn't want to lose to, it's Phil. So as much as I would like to see these two going head-to-head in a final round, seeing them go head-to-head for the first two rounds will be really interesting. And I'm sure we'll get the PJ Tour featured groups <coughs> coverage all day Thursday and Friday. So we'll be able to watch every shot these guys hit. So that'll be nice. I will be rooting for... Let's see. I always root for Tiger. That's a given. I'm going to root for my Canadian boys. This week... Uh, that's Sawgrass. I like to see. I like to see Ricky playing well. It's it's, it's nice to see he had that one year where he just dominated the last couple holes. Uh, I think he birdied seventeen three times on the same day. Really, really impressive. So I hope he has a good week. Um, hoping Bryson can keep his hot streak going. Sergio is a guy. It's fun to see him playing well at this course too because he just hits the ball when he when Sergio is on with his ball striking. It is something to behold. So hoping to see that as well. And Jordan Spieth. Jordan hasn't really, I mean, he has his own sort of uh, bar set. But I would like to see Jordan get back back to his winning ways, back to his uh, dominance, and uh, get that putter rolling again the way, the way we know he can. But really, the most important thing that I want to see is a marquee final round. We haven't had, we've had some good finishes, some good, some big names winning, but we haven't had a really good big-name, head-to-head battle in a little while. So that's what I want to see. Obviously, I want to see that every week, but this week's is the perfect time and place for it, especially with that finishing stretch. So that's really what I'm hoping to see. Last week, with my picks, um, I did okay. Four of the five made the cut. Uh, The one you would have expected to miss the cut, Kevin Struelman missed the cut. But I had Rory. He was my number one pick. He finished 16th. Patrick Reed finished 8th. Phil Mickelson finished 5th. And Justin Thomas finished 21st. So four of my five picks finished in the top 21. But we're out here to win. And we didn't win last week. So that's a little bit disappointing. <clears throat> I will have my picks um, and my bets and my spreadsheet with all the pertinent information for probably a lot of players this week. I always just narrow down. I get rid of guys that don't look like they have much of a chance. Last week I narrowed down to 25 players. Um Jason Day was on the list, but he didn't make my top five. So I'll have that spreadsheet, um, the picks, the bets, all that will be on Wednesday. This podcast I'm recording on a Monday should be out by Tuesday. And uh, hopefully I have a video clip, depending on how things turned out. Um, yeah, my off the, I'm going to make an off-the-noggin prediction for Tiger. I'm going to say this course sets up well for him. His ball striking and his short game, uh, he just he needs to get his putting back. He has played well here. He has two wins, but he went through a stretch where he was it wasn't a good course set for him. I think it'll kind of force him to be a little more conservative off the tee, um, which bodes well for Tiger. Uh, I see him having top. I think he makes a cut for sure. Uh, I think he finishes top twenty five is a pretty safe bet for Tiger this week. Nice to see him kind of slide in the top 10. I don't, as much as I would love to see him win, I don't think this is the week. I think there's just too many good players on too hard of a course. Too many guys coming and playing too well. Um, what we saw of Tiger last week doesn't look as if he's right there. But if he can get this putter, putter rolling, you never know. In terms of an actual winner, uh, let's see. who. I'm going to go with 
and this is without doing my research. I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. After his finish at the Masters, I'm expecting this is the first big event since then. I'm expecting some big things out of Ricky. So I'm going to pick him, but that'll probably change when I do my, well, I'm sure it'll change once I do my uh, research and spreadsheet and all that stuff. That'll come out on Wednesday. Next week, the tour kicks off their Texas swing with the AT&T Byron Nelson Championship. I'll be back to discuss that with you next week. I'm Marjorie McCullough. Thank you for listening to Teeing Off, and join me next week. 